My name is Jim Fleming, and this is Our Sunday School. Our Sunday School is part of Stewart Heights Baptist Church in Chattanooga, Tennessee. To prepare for this lesson, please go to OurSundaySchool.com for a copy of today's handout. Now, let's get to this week's lesson. Well, good morning, and welcome to Our Sunday School. Glad you guys are with us this morning. Today is the last day of text of our series in Mark is kind of crazy, right? I, I just went to the office, uh, I think I started the print job like 15 minutes ago, and uh, printed off our entire series in Mark, and it's sitting on the, on the little table back there behind, on top of my computer. <laughs> it's a lot of pages. <laughs> it's one of those things you look at and you go, y'all are crazy to have stuck around this long while we did this. Like, this is nuts, but uh, a lot of fun there. So today is week 165 of Lord Willing, week 160, of week 166 weeks. Uh, so we're in Mark chapter 16, the last uh, major pericope of uh, chapter 16. So good morning to everybody online. Appreciate y'all being here with us. If you didn't already get a handout, so I, I don't typically push them this hard, but if you didn't already get this week's handout and next week's handout, I would encourage you to go ahead and grab both because I'm going to make reference to next week's handout several times as we go through this. They're both up there. Um, this is top 10 ways to know how far Jim is behind in his day-to-day -day life. If you see two handouts on the little table when you walk in, I am doing really well and I'm ahead of schedule. <laughs> if you only get one and it's still warm, that's not as good a week. So just FYI. Just FYI. All right, so let's take a look. Uh, we'll read through uh, all of Mark chapter 16, uh, and then we'll start picking up with verse 14. Uh, I made mention last week that one of the things that I want to do today was to kind of reinforce the concept of um, there's nothing, there's almost nothing substantively new in the Mark 16, 9 through 20. Hey there, good morning. Uh, as compared to the other Gospels and what's going on in them. So we're going to spend a lot of time this morning looking at the other Gospels and seeing like, oh, yeah, this is copied or could be lifted or borrowed or paraphrased from here uh, and seeing a lot of where that, where that text comes from. So we'll start with Mark uh, 16. I'll read all the way through, and then we'll pick up with verse 14. So Mark chapter 16. <clears throat> When the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome brought spices so that they might go and anoint him. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. And they were saying to one another, Who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? And looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled back. It was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe, and they were alarmed. And he said to them, do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him just as you told him. And they went out and fled from the tomb for trembling and astonishment had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone for they were afraid. And then the disputed text. Now when he rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene from whom he had cast out seven demons. She went and told those who had been with him as they mourned and wept. 
But when they heard that he was alive and had been seen by her, they would not believe it. And after these things, he appeared in another form to two of them as they were walking into the country. And they went back and told the rest, but they did not believe them. Afterward, he appeared to the eleven themselves as they were reclining at table, and he rebuked them for their unbelief and hardness of heart, because they had not believed those who saw him after he had risen. And he said to them, Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up serpents with their hands. And if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will lay their hands on the sick, and they will recover. So then the Lord Jesus, after he had spoken to them, was taken up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And they went out and preached everywhere while the Lord worked with them and confirmed the message by accompanying signs. Mark chapter 16. I told Julie last night, and I almost got kind of tore up when I told her that uh, today's the last day that I'm going to read a whole chapter of Mark. It's a long streak, you know. <laughs> it's a really long streak. Um, but you never know. I've told Daryl about 15 years ago that I called dibs on the little old man class uh, for Sunday school teachers, so I may teach it again in 50 years. We'll see. You never know. So uh, Mark chapter 16, uh, and if you, have, if you have read the last chapter or two of Matthew, Luke, or John lately, you're going to hear a lot of echoes in the last half of Mark chapter 16. So Dave, if we go to, go to the next slide, I just want to start with this and kind of walk through, if any of this sounds familiar, there's, there's like a reason it should sound familiar. So Verse 9 in Mark chapter 16, we see some details in these two texts. Verses 9 through 11, we see details in these texts. Verse 12 and 13, we see here. 14 to 18 and then 19 to 20. So there, there is a tremendous amount of overlap here. So when you heard me say last week, I don't think, again, sort of kind of open hand, uh, I don't think verses 9 through 20 were part of the original autograph of Mark. What, what I don't want you to hear me say is I don't believe this stuff in there is true. I actually think almost all of it is true. It just, it, it sounds and is written like it's lifted from other portions of Scripture. So we'll dig into that just a little bit. So in verse 9, we're going to stay on this slide the rest of the, basically the rest of the, the lesson, Dave. Thank you. So in verse 9, if you look at verse 9, it says, Now when he arose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene. So who are we talking about there? Jesus, right. And, and I'm, gonna just, I'm just going to try to point out some of the uh, contextual and grammatical and semantic issues that we have with verses 9 through 20 as we walk through. So who's the he? Jesus, right. And where does he show up last in the text? Before that. Where is the word Jesus mentioned last in the text? What's that? In the tomb. Okay. But in Mark chapter 16, like in the, sorry, that wasn't a very clear question. Where does the word Jesus show up before verse 9 in the text? Mass for the body. Okay. You sure? <laughs> in verse 6, right? Do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth. 
right? So that's where he shows up. Who are the, is anybody mentioned between verse 6, or any people mentioned between verses 6 and 9? Who are the other people that are mentioned? Peter's mentioned, right? And the, the they there, so the disciples are mentioned, and the they that go out are who? The women that come to the tomb, right? But in verse 9, we just pick up with he. This is not the way Greek is written. <laughs> you don't skip a whole bunch of proper nouns and then refer back with a pronoun to somebody that was referenced multiple verses before. Like that is really, really shockingly poor construction of a sentence, which leads a lot of people to believe that verses 9 through 20 were actually part of a different work because there are lots of other Gospels than Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Lots and lots and lots of other Gospels out there. We just don't believe them to be canon. We don't believe them to be Scripture. We believe this may have been lifted from one of those where Jesus was immediately referenced before. Grammar would fit. Makes a lot of sense. There you go. All right, so now when he arose on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, from whom he had cast out seven demons. So we see this in Luke chapter 8, verse 2. Uh, but let's flip over to John 20. The, the uh, yellow text up here is where we're going to go back and read a little bit. So John 20, and we're going to be hitting the exact same chapters multiple times. So if you have something you want to stick in these chapters as a bookmark, that works out really well. So John 20, verses 11 through 18. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb, and as she wept, she stopped to look into the tomb. She saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head, one at the feet. And they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? And supposing him to be the gardener, which I think is still like the greatest reference back to Genesis chapter 2 ever, but we'll, we don't have time for that. Uh, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary. And she turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. And Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that he had said these things to her. So when we read in Mark 16, 9, that he appears to Mary Magdalene, okay, cool, that's backed up somewhere else in Scripture. Good, all right, let's keep going. Verse 10, she went and told those who had been with him. Yep, she sure does. <laughs> if you... Um, if you look at uh, Luke 24, Luke 24, sorry, my Bible does not want to open to any gospel other than Mark. It is literally, like, the pages are curled and worn. If you look at it from a cross section, it's like, pristine, 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 what happened here? And then it's, yeah, it's kind of funny. Uh, so Luke 24, 9 through 11, uh, let's take a look at here. Uh, verse 8, and they remembered his words, and returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna the, and Mary, the mother of James, and the other women uh, with, with them who told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to them like an idle tale, and they did not believe them. Which kind of makes some of the, 
the rebuking and unbelief language in the second half of Mark, 9, uh, Mark 16, like, oh, okay, yes. This, this, these are echoes of things that are written elsewhere. Uh, so let's keep going with Mark 16. Uh, when they heard it, that he was alive and had been seen, one, seen by her, they would not believe it. In the verse 12, after these things, he appeared in another form to two of them as they were walking in the country, and they went back and told the rest, but they did not believe them. There's a, there's a, a colloquial phrase that we use for this particular journey. Anybody want to? This is the blank road. The Emmaus road, right. This is the Emmaus road encounter with the disciples. So we have this, like, you know, and only Mark could condense the Emmaus road, which itself was a condensation of a two-hour conversation Jesus had into two verses, right? So don't tell me he wasn't good, even if he did write this, or whoever did write this was really good at condensing this. So we see this in uh, Luke 24. So again, we're just going to hang out in Luke for a second. So Luke 24. And remember, Luke's the gospel where we get, well, we just... Look at the chapter number. It's 24, right? Last chapter in Luke's 24. Last chapter in Mark is 16. Kind of tells you what you need to know about the density and amount of information in each one of those books, right? So Luke 24, 13 through 35. So uh, on the very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. And while they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. This is crazy. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. So if you've ever wondered, like, well, well, why didn't they? Jesus actually, when he was walking through, if you remember this from earlier in Mark, when Jesus is talking to his disciples, I will make it known to who needs to know, and I will, I will obscure to those who have need to have it obscured right now. And he will do that with us too. And that is good and right for us. So he is God, and his decisions are good, and this one was as well. So, and he said to them, verse 17, What is this conversation that you were holding with each other as you walked? And they stood still, looking sad. <laughs> then one of them, named Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened in these days? Which, like, just, you know, I, I want to put like that in irony font or something, right? I mean, he's, the, he's the center of the attention of the what's happened in Jerusalem in the last days. And he said to them, what things? We have a beautiful example right here of God asking a question he obviously knows the answer to. And they said to him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty indeed in word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women of our country, of our company, amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that, he, that they had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. And some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. And he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe, all the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, oh man, ah, to have recorded that. <laughs> Do 
you'd have much time, this would save all the Bible teachers that have come from that time. <laughs> this would have been like the greatest commentary ever. <sighs> Beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So they drew near to the village which they were going. He acted as if he were going farther, but they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at table with them, he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. And he vanished from their sight. <laughs> like, that's all you get. <laughs> it's fantastic. It's really fantastic. Then they said to each other, Did our hearts burn? Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven, and those who were with him gathered together, saying, The Lord has risen indeed, and he has appeared to Simon. And they told what had happened on the road and how he had, was known to them in the breaking of the bread. They'd seen that done before, and they didn't forget. Right? So we see... Mark 16, 12, and 13. This shows up as well. So let's keep going. Verse 14. Afterward, he appeared to the eleven themselves as they were reclining at table. So this word afterward is the only time it shows up in Mark's gospel. The word eleven is the only time it shows up in Mark's gospel. And he rebuked them for their unbelief and hardness of heart. And this is where I would begin to lean in and say, this is a very strong word to describe what the other Gospels treat very gently. Right? Now, you can rebuke someone in a lot of different ways. It can be, I can't believe you are wearing that. Right? So, and it can be, mm, I can't believe you're wearing that. And... And in English, we have different words that you can use. And in Greek, there are different words to use as well. The word rebuke here is a, it's a pretty strong word. The only other time it's used in Mark's gospel is for the derision that Jesus receives on the cross by the people walking by. It's not actually even translated to rebuke in the ESV. So it's a, it's a very, very strong word. And it it just doesn't, to me, seem very consistent with the tone of the other gospel passages of how Jesus rebuked them post-resurrection. Now, he laid, don't, don't confuse me here. He laid into them before the cross on several occasions, right? I mean, he, he really lit pretty good. Um, it was the, it's the, the southern equivalent of bring me a switch, right? But, uh, but I, I don't, sorry, I've got a gnat up here right now. And it's, I think it's gone. Cool. What'd you say? That, oh, I hate them. I want to burn the house down when we get a gnat. It's like just, you know, we'll start over. It's okay. No, I, I'm really not. It's our neighbors right here, so sorry. <laughs> yeah, the, the, flyers, uh, uh, fires can jump that far, right? <laughs> so he rebuked them for their unbelief. And hardness of heart, because they had not believed those who saw him after he had risen. Now, this word saw only shows up in verses 11 and 14 in Mark's gospel. But it shows up a lot in John's gospel. An awful lot. So if you're looking for a, well, like, where would they have summer? From some of the other gospels that had been written a couple of decades later, right? 
So they saw him after he had been risen, verse 15, and he said to them, go into all the world. Now, has anybody ever heard a preacher take a different approach to the word go in the Great Commission in Matthew 28? Have you ever heard him phrase it differently other than just go? Well, I'll tell you, let's take a look at your handout on page 557 there, about halfway down. It says go, and the word passive is highlighted because this is a passive verb. It means something that is being done to the subject that is encouraging them to accomplish this thing. It is actually not a command. It's a participle. So a a better way to translate this, and when I say it, you'll go, oh, yeah, I've heard a preacher say that. As you are going, they go, oh, yeah, I've heard that, yeah. As you are going, do this, right, because it's actually not a command. The command in the Great Commission is to make disciples and to behold, because if you stop beholding, you'll stop making disciples, right? This is pretty basic stuff, but it's the exact same language, the exact same Greek word parsing down to the last character, down to the last accent, on the character as is found in uh, Matthew's gospel. You're like, well, well, what about that? Well, it feels like that might could have very easily have been copy-pasted from Matthew's gospel. Right? So now we're kind of getting an idea of we've seen some stuff from Luke, we've seen some stuff from John, we've seen some stuff from Matthew. It feels like whoever wrote Mark 16, 9 through 20 might have had access to all three of those gospels. Well, then what this does is it, it dates it for us because this pushes it out a couple of decades because, you know, Mark was written in the mid-50s. Matthew, Luke, John come along several decades later, so you'd need somebody who, it, who not only had access to it but had the writing skills to, like, think about how do you, how do you summarize and package all that up and put it, I mean, this is it's a, it's a pretty talented writer to be able to do this. So go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation, In verse 16, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe, and that word not believe is the first time it's used in um, Mark's gospel. It's it's actually used twice. It's only 1611 and 1616. uh, Will be condemned. So here we obviously see uh, strong ties back over to Matthew 28, 16 through 20. It's probably a text you're very, very familiar with. Um, So since you're very familiar with it, let's read it anyway. So Matthew 28, 16 through 20, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And if you like to write in your Bible, if you would, just underline that word behold in the very last sentence. That's the last command in the Great Commission. Everybody wants to say, like, go is a command. It's not. Like, disciples is a command, and behold is a command. When we stop beholding the glory of the risen Christ, we stop behaving as if there is any glory in the risen Christ. And it makes a massive, massive difference. I heard, a, uh, <laughs> I heard a pagan friend of mine describe the Bible one time, and she said, uh, you know, the Bible's just, it's like full of stories that, that, like, heard from God and then acted as if it was normal. 
Yes, in fact, <laughs> that's exactly right. And would that not be true in our lives, right? That would be a, a wonderful uh, thing to be said of us. So back to Mark 16, verse 17. And these signs, and now we get to the, like, all right. I've been pretty cool with most of what this writer has done so far, and I'm going to take like a real slanted view and squint real strenuously at verse 17 and 18. So these signs will accompany those who believe in my name. They will cast out demons. All right. Are there, are there any examples in the New Testament of a believer casting out demons? Yes. Yes. Where does such, ooh, it might actually work here. No, it's not. Where does such anti-witchcraft <laughs> take place? Is there a book of the Bible that follows the Gospels that has a whole bunch of neat accounts of really strange stuff going on, right? Yes, this is Acts, yes. This happens in Acts. We see this happen. All right, cool. Next phrase, they will speak in new tongues. Check. Yep, Acts. Okay, cool. They will pick up serpents with their hands. You're like, mm, I don't, I don't, mm, I don't mm, do I remember that in Acts? Nope. Let me tell you what you do remember in Acts. You remember in Acts. I'm going to make sure I get my reference right here. Did anybody ever get bitten by a serpent in Acts? Yeah, sure did. Who got bitten by a serpent? Paul. Do you remember what chapter of Acts? 28. We'll start reading in verse 1, Acts 28, 1. After we were brought safely through, and remember this is Luke, we learned then that the island was called Malta. The native peoples showed us unusual kindness, for they kindled a fire and welcomed us all because it had been begun to rain and was cold. When Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and put them on the fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened on his hand. Somebody just asked, has anybody ever been bitten by a snake? I don't expect the answer to be yes, but it'd be a cool story if you have. This is your moment right here. Nobody? All right, cool. Paul had. And they said to one another, these are the natives, right? No doubt this man is a murderer. All right, pause real quick. I'm going to quote my friend Dave Barber here, the great theologian. This is uh, example, exhibit A, your honor, of do good, get good, do bad, get bad theology. Right. Well, obviously, you got bitten by a snake, so you must be a bad person. Flush that theology, please. <laughs> please, please, please. Though he has escaped from the sea. Remember, they just got shipwrecked. This is the, I, I probably should have given you some context. Like, they just got washed up on the shore, and there's some friendly natives that light them a fire. So this is kind of cool. Though he has escaped from the sea, uh, justice has not allowed him to live. He, however, this is Paul, shook off the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. That's cool. Neat party trick, right? Now, from what we have, sorry, I get, <laughs> I'm very excited about today's lesson. Um, from what we can tell about this text, is this text descriptive meaning does it describe something that happens, or is it prescriptive, meaning does it show us what we ought to be doing on a regular basis? This is as descriptive as it gets, right? 
They were waiting for him to swell up, so they were familiar with the snakes and what happened with snakes, or suddenly fall down dead. But when they had waited a long time and so saw no misfortune come to him, they changed their mind and said that he was a god. Because <laughs> those are obviously the only two answers, right? Murderer or god. Like These are the only two buckets you can fall into when you're bitten by a snake. Because up to this point in time, when somebody got bit by a snake, what happened? You die, right? We're in the middle of Malta. Malta was not the mecca of medicine, right? This is not a, like, I'll go down to the drugstore and get some antivenom and we're good to go and everything's great. And, no, 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 you're dead. You're going to swell up really big. They expected it. And, um, you know, Luke, the doctor, actually tells us the repercussions of a snake bite. So this is the one phrase. I'm back in Mark 16 now, verse 18. They will pick up serpents with their hands. Is that what Paul did? No, one jumped out of the fire. Or wherever it was coming from, I don't know. So, i got to put a, a, a real hard squint on that. And if they drink any deadly poison, we're doubling down on the weirdness now, okay? So this, this is, um, I, I was talking to a friend a couple of months ago, and we were talking about our confidence level in certain portions of the scripture and that my confidence level in Mark 16, 9 through 20 wasn't nearly as heavy as it is in the first 16 and a half chapters of Mark. And I said, I wish there was some way that I could show, like visually on the text, maybe with like a really light font. Like it's a really light font, and I'm not sure about that, and you should kind of have to squint to look at it, and you should make it more difficult. And he went, oh, yeah, we could do that. I could program that. I'm like, oh, I'm going to get in all kinds of trouble if we do that. So I did not take him up on that option, but it, it did go through my mind. It did go through my mind. If I were going to do that with a text, this would be in basically clear font because this is, I, I want to I be as, as crystal clear as I can possibly be here. Don't pick up snakes. Don't drink poison. Okay? I just to be as clear as we can be. No snakes, no poison. If you ever walk into this room and you see snakes are poison, it wasn't me, <laughs> okay? It wasn't me. All right, so if you drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will lay their hands on the sick, and they will recover. Did, did this happen in Acts? Oh, yeah, like all over the place. You're going, you know, there's even the text where it says uh, the handkerchiefs that Paul used would be sent out, and somebody, you could put it near him, and he's going to be, they recover, and you go, that's weird, man, but that's awesome. <laughs> it's incredible, right? So then we get to verses uh, 19 and 20. So then, the Lord Jesus. Now, if you have been paying attention in our series in Mark, you will have never seen this phrase in the Gospel of Mark, the Lord Jesus. You will also never see this phrase in Matthew, Luke, or John. This is a phrase that starts to pop up later in the epistles. After lots of people get really familiar with who Jesus is, and this was one of the most common ways to refer to Jesus in the early church, the Lord Jesus. It was never used, however, in the Gospels. So if you're looking for a, like, whoa, this is, this is not what we would expect to find in the timeline of church artifacts, we would not expect to find the phrase Lord Jesus. Is, is he Lord Jesus? Yes, absolutely. But, like, that's the wrong spot for it to be found. <laughs> this is way too early, way too early. 
So, then the Lord Jesus, after he had spoken to them, was taken up. Again, this is the only time this word shows up in Mark's gospel. Uh, Into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And they went out and preached everywhere while the Lord worked with them, which I think is a fantastic little piece of theology. Uh, it's a present act of participles. There's the, habit of, he, the Lord had a habit of doing this, but that worked with them is also the only time this shows up in Mark's gospel. And confirmed, the only time that word shows up in Mark's gospel, the message by accompanying signs, which is also the only time that word shows up in Mark's gospel. So we, we, end, we end this long ending of Mark with just a uh, new word, new word, new word, new word, new word. And if you had to summarize the book of Acts, like the whole book of Acts, could you do a better job than verse 20? That's a pretty good summary of the book of Acts, isn't it? Yeah, which this the gnat is back, I'm sorry. Go away. Which makes me think that whoever wrote verses 9 through 20 had access to the book of Acts and was summarizing actually a substantially larger amount of text than just the gospel. So, um, one more thing that I want us to look at. So, Acts 1, 9 through 11. And then we will slide over to our applications and personalizations. Actually, let's start with verse 6. So when they had come together, they being this, uh, what was it, 120 of them? Something like that? I forget. When they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? Sorry, this is just the 11 still. And he said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and in Samaria to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. Now just pause there for a second. For everything that these folks have been through in the last few weeks, like, this is a lot, <laughs> okay? Like, just, just emotionally, this is a lot. So just recognize, like, this is the space they are in right there. And they were gazing into heaven as he went. Behold, two men stood by them in white robes. Would there be another word that we would use for these two men standing by in white robes? I would go as far as to say probably angels, right? Angels are messengers. And said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who is taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Amen and amen to that. So just because we have finished Mark's gospel, sounds so weird to say does not mean the story of Jesus is over there is actually infinitely more to the story of Jesus this is awesome not only is the tomb empty but he is going to return he is going to come back he is going to fix all that has broken it's so beautiful it's so beautiful so let's take a look at your last application and personalization. Because next week's handout has a summary, like just all the pericope titles on the front, and it just asks one question, and you guys are going to teach the lesson next week. 
So what did God do you what did God do in you through his word from our time in Mark? Next week is testimony Sunday is what we're talking about. And I am excited about that. But before we get there, let's do our last application and personalization. So application number one, uh, Mark 16, 9 through 20 does not cause a problem. My faith is not shaken because of Mark 16, 9 through 20. So what do we do with that? Rejoice! <laughs> this text, Mark 16, 9 through 20, is literally, in my best Chris Traeger voice, the most problematic New Testament text of anything that we have. It is the most difficult text to determine. Is this in? Is it out? I'm not entirely sure. And there was nothing in it other than the obvious, don't pick up snakes and don't drink poison. Like, that's it. That was the only really challenging piece. And perhaps he leaned a little too far into the word rebuke. Okay, sure, I'm fine. So rejoice, this does not cause us problems. Application number two, the gospel's differences are a gift. A lot of teachers and a lot of Bible students look at the distinctions between the gospels and they go like, oh, how do we have this massive problem? How do we reconcile all this? It's not my job to reconcile, it's just my job to proclaim. So how about we do way more proclaiming than overly burdened about reconciling? So what do we do with that? I would say rejoice. God gave us many gifts, and his word and the associated variety are some of them. This is good. I'm very grateful we have more than the Gospel of Mark. There's a ton in Mark. I mean, we literally spent 165 weeks talking about the Gospel of Mark. There's a lot in there. And there are still many, many texts where I feel like we just skipped a rock over the top of it. No, we're not, gonna, we're not circling back right now. I, we, we need to move to something else. But, um, but there is so, so, so much more. So as a reminder, next week, we're having a party in here to celebrate Mark being over. There'll be cupcakes. There'll be cake. There'll be streamers. There may be an inflatable dinosaur. You never know what you're going to get with a party in our Sunday school. It's all kinds of fun stuff. Some of you are laughing right now. We've had an inflatable dinosaur at a party before in our Sunday school. <laughs> you never know. So I want, you to, I want to give you plenty of time to be thinking through what has God done in you through our series in Mark. Uh, because I think the answer to that is really amazing stuff. So with that, we finished Mark chapter 16. So you should have a weekly update at your table. So if you would, please write down any prayer requests that you've got. Pray over a section. Make sure your name's at the bottom of each. Uh, your name is somewhere at the bottom, so that's how we take attendance. And once you have finished praying as a table, you are free to go in and to worship without poison, without snakes. The one who, his story is not over. He is coming again, and it will get better. Tomorrow is always better for the believer. So thanks for coming today, guys. Thanks for engaging, and don't forget to subscribe to our podcast, YouTube channel, and weekly email. You can subscribe to all three of those at OurSundaySchool.com. Grace and peace to you.